0: Hey, folks, Dave Harvey here, and welcome to the Am I Called podcast. We've got a great podcast for you today, but before we get started, I just wanted to remind you to go ahead and sign up for the newsletter so that we can deliver some good stuff directly into your inbox. Um, to get it, you just have to go over to and and sign up. So now... Before I introduce today's guest, let me just set some context. Uh, I mentioned in our last podcast that the Am I Called podcast has now close to 60 podcasts since our inception, but all of them, save just our most recent one with Elise Fitzpatrick, all of them have been men. And our site is, of course, addressing pastoral ministry, and so the listeners are primarily men. Yet, I've become increasingly persuaded that we need to hear more women and that we need to hear from more women, and specifically, women's thoughts on what they wish their pastors knew about women. And so, today, I'm looking to pass the mic to a very thoughtful woman, and today's guest is Trillia Newbell. Now, Trillia, I'm I'm just going to give a little uh, bio here so folks know who you are. She Trillia serves the church in a number of ways. She's written books, she's written articles on faith, on family, on diversity. Um, Trillia speaks at conferences as well as being the director of community outreach for the ERLC, and that's. Uh, from the Southern Baptist Convention. And probably most important to Trillia is that you know that she's a wife and a mother of two as well. So Trillia, thanks for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So we met Trillia the first time a number of years back when I think you were attending a church in Knoxville. Uh, where do you live now?
1: I live in the Franklin area. Well, I don't live in the Franklin area. I live in the Nashville area Okay, <laughs> in Franklin, right outside Nashville. Which
0: yeah. is just south of of Nashville, right?
1: <clears throat> yes. And so I've been here for about five years. It's a great place. I love it.
0: That's great. And were you living in Knoxville prior to that? Yes.
1: Yes. So I, I've, I'm from Knoxville, so I'm a Tennessean through and through. And, okay. Uh, yeah, I grew up there and um, became a Christian around the age of 22 and— then i we stayed i stayed there got married and we moved here about 5 years ago
0: great well trulia um i i want to get into some questions about a a woman's experience in the church and and with pastoral ministry so let me just frame this as saying speaking not specifically of your church or my church uh, but more from the experience of being a woman. H- how does being a woman change the experience of just walking into church every Sunday morning?
1: Yes. Well, you know it's interesting because for me, I I don't think so much about um, how being a woman affects my walking into a church. So, but I, I know I am um, potentially the minority in that case. Um, but what your listeners probably don't know, unless they are familiar with me, I'm an African-American female. <laughs> so doubling, when you add that element, um, I can experience a lot more. more um,
0: uh, yeah, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So for me, it might, it might look like, um, a f- fighting fear of, of feeling like you're uh, a unicorn <laughs> with, um, f- feeling isolated, not intentionally by members, but isolated, even, even in the the music that's chosen. So, so that is really u- a really unique and different experience in general. But I do know that a lot of women, um, they're not represented on stages, uh, and and even in in who they can go to in their in leadership. And I'm not talking pastoral leadership. I'm just talking about discipleship, any kind right. of leadership. Um, and so and so for for many women, um, it can feel a little isolating. But for me, I don't I don't have that experience so much as a woman, and I'm grateful for that.
0: Is there any sense uh, that you think? That being a woman, um, or even a woman of color, um, makes the experience of walking into a church um, where, something of feeling intrinsically unwelcome in comparison to what a man might experience. Would 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 there be a sense where being you, one feels less comfortable, one feels less accepted? or accommodated because of being a woman?
1: If you have a gospel culture, the answer should be no, no. And so I just, um, that if, if you have a culture where um, men are elevated and um, the idea of whatever leadership might look like is elevated, um, where women can feel Uh, Second secondary um, and where maybe maybe even where roles are so emphasized that if you don't fit that mold, um, you you can't fit the culture of the church. So if those are if those are the those are the things that isolate us. But when we just think so. So I would I would have to ask someone or a church, what is your culture? Is it a gospel culture? Because. By the Bible isn't we don't have a pink Bible and blue Bible. I mean it's for all, all of us, and so there should be no reason for a woman to walk into a church and feel and feel um, inferior or or less than um, she should feel absolutely welcomed. And I I yeah I I don't hear as many women feeling unwelcome just walking in. It's more how does it, how do, how do the programs, how, um, do various positions, how, how, how do, um, how are the, the places where women can exercise their gifts? Those are what can, um, isolate or make a a woman feel like they're not important. Um, but they're, they're half or more of the church. So walking into a church, they should feel um, just absolutely welcomed and loved if they have a gospel culture.
0: Now, um, I'm seeing truly your, um, you know, your influence growing. At least if it's measured by the books that you're writing, um, conferences that you're speaking at, you you seem to be gaining a voice, and you seem to be gaining a voice where some extraordinary events are taking place in terms of uh, his historical events. So we got the, you know, the Me Too movement, we've got the Black Lives Matter. Um, uh, we also have a, a time where the uh, presidential administration seems to uh, ma- make gender and race even more polarizing. Right. So... As you're watching the news and you're pondering the needs of women, you know, what What? What do you want to hear from a pastor right now in terms of thinking about these kinds of things?
1: Okay, well, each is so very different. So I'm going to—I'll start with me, too. In that regard, pastors need to understand— that there are women in their in their congregations women who are sitting in their pews who have been abused. And so instead of fighting the culture which fighting what's going on in the Me Too movement, we should be asking where are the women in our my church who are affected by this and do we have policies established for handling these situations? Am I equipped and am i equipping others to love love these women who are uh, who i am shepherding and so i i want pastors to think to have it on their minds that there are likely people who have been affected and if there there isn't which there is there's in every congregation there probably is but if there isn't they are one degree separated from someone who is and um and so I, I think it's really important that there is equipping, and growth, and understanding, and knowledge in re- regards to sexual assault and abuse. That people know that it happens, and it happens frequently, unfortunately. So, but that would be with the Me Too movement. Um, yeah, and some of that can that happen
0: th- just in the way a pastor applies some of his messages to to include that group and speak to that group and talk about. Um, how the gospel gives hope
1: absolutely absolutely another would be through procedures so that people people know if this happens, you can come to me you will not be shamed you can come and express what's happened you will find love and Support and when necessary, we will call authorities. So they need to they need to know that they have a place to go, and that they are not going to be shunned in their in their churches. So I think it's really important. Um, in regards to the divide that we're seeing regarding ethnicity, race, I think that's also a um, <laughs> Gaining knowledge and preaching from the pulpit about ethnicity in such a way that celebrates rather than um, politicize. We speak a better word in the, the Bible. God has a better word for this topic. And so people need to understand what the Imago Day is and how that applies to across the board. People need to understand that. Um, what Ephesians two says and what the book of Acts says and (laughs) what, what, what's going on in numbers when um, Miriam confronts Moses and and why is that a problem? People need to understand what the multi-ethnic mission looks like. And, and, and so I think um, we need to pastors, if you're listening from a, a black female perspective you you just need to teach the word and so that people under, can have a better understanding of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself so when things happen we are not we are not reacting but we are pre- pro- proactive we already have been thinking through these topics we've already uh, learned uh, at, at what it means, what the Bible says about these topics, and so that when someone comes in our congregation and they're mourning because someone got shot, it's not a shock. We we can mourn with those who mourn, and and we don't have to understand completely, but we are we're educating ourselves both with history and the Bible. So that that's with that one.
0: I, I know. I, I know. For ahead. me, well, I was just thinking for for me as a suburban. Pastor years ago, and and even being raised in the suburbs, it it really wasn't until I attended uh, school. Uh, Westminster had uh, like a campus down in the city called the Center for Urban Theological Study, and I was sitting under African Americans who were teaching and who were who were interpreting Scripture within the context, but in ways that I had never experienced, in ways that I had never heard. And it gave me a, a, a whole new set of eyes to see some of these themes, which are far more prominent in scripture, but I, I wouldn't have seen them. So, so that context made all the difference. And being exposed to African, African-American leaders and authors um, had a huge impact on me as well.
1: I think that's so Im- important, and I'm so glad you said it, Dave, yes, yes you need to expose yourself and, and sit under the leadership of those who don't look like you so that you can gain perspective and read from, um, black authors and pastors and, and, and you will, you will learn, um, so much, so much, and be able to love your neighbor as yourself, which is the goal, right? We want to, we don't want to just gain knowledge. We want to learn how to love. And so, um, and so I, I think it's really important for pastors to to equip themselves in, in that way. Proximity changes everything. I believe that wholeheartedly. And so if you can get yourself in proximity with someone who does not look like you, then um yeah, that's no. Her, sorry, my daughter started cutting my dog's hair. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> So,
0: so it sounds like you were going to make a comment on, did I interrupt you? You were going to make a comment on Black Lives Matter and I took you to another place.
1: You know, I wasn't going to make a comment on Black Lives Matter. Um, I just think for the church, we just, if we're, if we are teaching and if the the pastors are teaching the word of God and what it says, then We will, we will not have to, we, though things like, um, things like Black Lives Matter is important, but it's, it's also not, um, how can I say this? We want to press into social issues, but we want to make sure that we are being informed biblically by them. So I think if we go to the word of God, that is essential and important as we are trying to relate to and understand and explore um, these topics so that to me is most important is that we're going to the Word of God we're reading history and then we're applying from there and we're getting to know our neighbor and and I think if we can do those things then then we will be able to serve and love more effectively
0: yeah we're not being informed and shaped first by culture yes. or or by a movement or, or even yes. by our feelings. But we're allowing Scripture to be the authority that shapes us. Yes. Now, now let me ask you a question about this, Trillia, because you know you have churches that are predominantly white, and and they prefer that, and you have churches that are predominantly black, and they prefer that. And so the issue—it seems like the issue of segregated churches on Sunday morning—it it kind of started as an issue of racism but now it's kind of institutionalized as a preference. And so as an African-American woman, what are you hoping for from the church's pursuit of and commitment to diversity? What What are you hoping for for that?
1: I think it would—okay, um, first of all, yes, uh, I believe to, that there are preferences and lots of things that we have to work through. I would ask if I were talking to someone individually, why the preference? And is there is there anything that is there a bias? Is there anything that we need to press into in regards to that? Um, is there anything we need to repent of in regards to that um, and, and in regards to that preference? Because uh, I think that those preferences could become divisive and, and we need to ask, OK, is it? When, how would we feel if we were multi-ethnic well we, if that's a problem then there's a sin issue if that that's that's a problem okay in regards to my hope I know that there are lots of churches that are planting multi-ethnic churches and I, I, I think that's appropriate and good and and what will be like in heaven and so I hope to see an increase an increased amount of, um, multi-ethnic churches, people work, worshiping together. I know that we, we, we want, we aren't going to see, um, diverse churches across the board in the United States. I'm speaking really specifically to the United States, but I do think, um, it's worth the pursuit. I think it's worth the uncomfortable. To, um, I think it's worth dying to preferences. I think it's all worth it um in the end and that again i my hope comes from jesus and looking forward one day we'll all be together so if we can bring heaven to earth now then i, I pray pray and hope that we will
0: yeah and i, I our, our christianity d- doesn't start with our preferences it you know it has to start with the call that scripture makes upon us even if it works uh Right across our preferences, it challenges our preference, so there's a lot of you know there was a lot of preferences I brought into the kingdom of God that were fundamentally unrighteous right. um, I, I I just think those those things in both communities are so institutionalized it's hard, like for me as a white pastor, um I'm thinking, you know what exactly am I trying to do here what what do I want to accomplish? I see it. In what you described earlier, which I thought was really good, that part of the way we have to tackle this is on the, is on the level of relationship and yeah. you know, just getting to know each other and being willing to learn, uh, which is part of my experience of you know, being a cutch, just, just learning and sitting under other African-Americans and, and hearing their experience and, and listening for how Scripture has affected them. I I I'm wondering I guess I'm just I'm I'm thinking out loud here but I'm wondering whether there are are other ends like for me as a as a as a white pastor are there any other ends that I'm that I'm looking for or should be aiming at
1: any other ends in regards to um
0: the uh the church the composition of the church the um oh. what the church should look like
1: Yes um Well, I, I, I I think if we are pursuing our neighbor and you preach the gospel, pursue our neighbor, repent where it needs to be, look at instant, then, then the Lord's going to, to work towards an end where we, I think, or pastors can really affect change. Or if, if I may use that, um, is diversifying their leadership. Um, making sure that their their disciple groups aren't homogenous either. So I think those are the things that you would want to look at so that um your congreg you your your congregation reflects the heart of God. And and the the your your community um as much as if you live in a community that is mostly homogenous. It's it probably would be the reason why your congregations also homogenous. <laughs> so you just want to um, Am I answering this question? Yeah, this and I, what, yeah, oh and okay. I I like
0: where you're going because and part of what I think and and how I might add to that as I'm, as we're just talking here is is I think there's a self-awareness that um, we need to develop as as white pastors that there are certain experiences that uh, that we don't have by being white, that sense of uh, of privilege, it, it might not always rise to the level of privilege. But I know I was just I was just talking to a black man um, just the other day, and, and he tells me um, he he would never get into his car without thinking about the police. He would never get into his car without without being uh, sensitive to the fact that he is African-American. And I was just thinking, you know, never have I gotten into a car, or unless it was before I knew Christ and I was doing something that was illegal. Um, never sure. have I gotten into the car with that category, you know, ringing in my mind. Um, and, and but and so I think it takes a degree of self-awareness, a growing self-awareness, which I would only have by asking questions of, of, uh, of folks like the guy I was talking to.
1: Yes, no, absolutely. There are, there are experiences that I have, um, that my son, for example, will never have. So I, I, I definitely can, I think of my ethnicity when I am the only one in the room. Um, I can think of it when I, when i'm in a car i don't jump in the car and that's not the first thought i have but if i'm riding down a highway and i'm by myself and it's dark i might have those thoughts like oh i i pray i don't get pulled over or something like that because i'm by myself in the dark so i would i would have those those thoughts my husband is white and my son is biracial but he has pale skin and straight hair and And one of the things that we've talked about, I mean, he, he will not experience some of the, the things that his mom has. And it has been, it's been such an interesting thing to dialogue about those things that, that I have experienced, or that maybe even a, a black man will experience that he will never. And so even, uh, his, he's going to have a unique understanding because of his proximity to me, but it's going to be such a different life. And so that's, that's an interesting thing for me to think through and wrestle through often.
0: Yeah. And the, the person I was talking to, uh, lived in an overwhelmingly white community, which I think probably, um, uh, magnifies the, uh, the question, the problem, the, the sense of, uh, of race that, uh, that he would experience.
1: Yes. Well, and I'm also in a predominantly white area. And so I just, I, I do think that for, for some men it's, it's, there's such a great unfortunate stereotype and, um, bias towards black men. So they, they have a, to contend with stuff, that even women I would I would say won't won't have to um and that's that's unfortunate
0: yeah let me uh i'll wrap up with this question trillia um are there any books or influences um that you think might be particularly helpful for pastors maybe something that you've read that has influenced you or that you've heard about um just to just to help us either think about um race or think about what it's like to be a woman in the church
1: yeah um Kathleen Nilsson just wrote a book um it's is it the problem of women in the bible or by the good book company and so you can you can check that out um um, let me think, you know, these questions are awesome questions, but they're great for thinking. So I'm yeah! <laughs> and not, it's hard to, to yeah. just speak off the cuff.
0: I'm the same way with titles. I, yes, I always I'm like, forget what titles. What
1: is that title called? Um, okay, so this is what I would encourage pastors to do. You don't necessarily have to read a book about women. You can just read a book from women. So I would encourage you to read... um read authors who have women authors, Jen Wilkin, um, Nancy Guthrie, Kathleen Nielsen. Uh, I would love for you to, I invite you to read my stuff, <laughs> but women who have been writing, there's that, that was like a tiny, tiny number, but I would, I would even just encourage you to read Women authors, and you will get an idea of some of the things that we are thinking through, what we are battling, what we are concerned with, which will only help equip you to love and serve those in your flock. And then, in regards to race, there is there is a whole a whole list of things. So I um I wrote a book called United. In the in the back of it are a list of resources. Um, I know that divided by fla- Faith is a book that a lot of people. Um, is that Emerson? And then there's uh, oh, um, there's a lot. Well, that's Let's
0: a, see. that's a pretty good list.
1: Okay, there you go. <laughs>
0: well, you know, um, when you were talking about about women, it it reminded me of a comment that Elise Fitzpatrick made. Um, did a podcast with her not long ago, and and she just said she couldn't remember. The last time she's heard a woman cited in a message, Um, you, you know, which which would mean that that maybe women aren't viewed as authoritative on certain subjects or that the go to for for men is just just men and historians and dead guys. And honestly, I couldn't remember the last time I cited a woman. So I was guilty of the very thing that she was saying and uh, just hearing that really provoked me.
1: Yeah, you know, it is it is true and I think just recently my pastor may it may, it may have been Cory Ten Boone or Amy Carmichael, I can't remember who it was, but I remember actually like my ears lit up because it was it was a shock, not a shock that he would, but a shock that I heard it from a man. And so I think um, I think that is so true that that we, we are – there are women I know who handle the word more effectively than some men. <laughs> and so I think you – I think we could really learn from each other and encourage one another and be brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I hope that we see and hear um, more men learning – from women and that it doesn't mean that they are not complementarian or that they are not that they are
0: right. Use,
1: yes. But that they are just, they are learning and, and that is, um, man, that's a whole new, a, a whole nother podcast, which I, uh, would welcome to Good. talk about. We'll, yes, we'll have I, you back
0: I, on to talk about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's, a, that's an important, we've got some things that we need to work through in order for even Someone to pick up that step and pick up a book and feel confident in their manhood. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a problem. So I hope and pray that pastors would that they'd learn from their sisters.
0: Oh, Amen. Well, truly it's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I want to thank you for for joining us today on the Am I Called podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: For our listeners, just a reminder that this this podcast is part of a suite of services from com. So there's, you go to the website, there's dozens of articles, there's dozens of podcasts, folks like Andy Crouch, Randy Alcorn, Elise Fitzpatrick, Carl Ellis, uh, just a, a bunch of folks. And, and they're worth listening to because these are bright men and women. So, and, and also don't forget to head over to the site to check out the newsletter as well and give us a like or follow up on media and And if you appreciate what we're doing, um, mention it somewhere. Thanks for joining us today on the Am I Called podcast.